All right, ladies, you asked. So here it is, an entire episode on PCOS and hormone imbalances. I think this is just such an amazing topic that I'm trying to learn more about as well because as you will hear later on in this interview, PCOS is underdiagnosed and many times doctors are just so fast to slap on the band-aid of birth control, which is something that happened with me when I was younger and struggling with acne. They just gave me the birth control pill instead of trying to solve the root issue, which is now something I have to be dealing with now. So in this episode, we have an amazing special guest who is just so knowledgeable. Her name is Casey Goings, and she is a functional nutritionist, and she's just here to teach women how to balance their hormones and regulate their cycles and have more energy, all without restricting or having these crazy extremes, which you know I am all about finding balance. So let's go ahead and dive into this episode. Hey you guys, welcome to the Empowered Podcast, hosted by your girl, Miranda Lee. I hope you're ready to get confident, throw away the all or nothing mindset, fully surrender to God, and strive to be 1% better every day. Don't forget, you are enough, you are worthy, and you are loved. Alrighty, let's get this party started. Hello, Casey. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me on today. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about hormones and PCOS because this is um, a topic that a lot of you know my clients or my followers of this podcast ask me about, and that is that is not really my wheelhouse. So I'm excited to dig your brain, um, dig into your brain, and pick your brain and see all the tips and tricks that you have for anyone struggling with hormone imbalances or PCOS or anything like that. But before we we dive deep, can you introduce yourself and tell the audience who you are and what you do? Absolutely. Yes. Um, really excited to dive into this conversation with you. So I am Casey Goins. I'm a functional nutritionist. Um, basically, I specialize in helping menstruating women balance their hormones, have easy periods, regular periods, painless cycles, more energy, all of the good stuff that comes along with it. Um, so I have, I actually have a background in modern medicine and Western medicine. I practiced medicine for about six years before I was like, this is not, this is not cutting it for my patients essentially. Um, so I like to, I like to tell people that I've been on both sides of the table. So I, I have that kind of that background of like practicing medicine and seeing where modern medicine was failing my patients. Um, and if, if you, you know, have ever been to the doctor and you've been told your only option is birth control, it's things like that, that I was just tired of. Um, and then from the other side of the table, I've been patient. Um, I lost my period for three years at one point due to under eating, over exercising, too much stress on the HPA axis. And so I've, I've been on that side too, knowing what it's like to struggle with a hormonal imbalance. So I love this work. Like this work has literally changed my life. Um, and it's changed the lives of my clients and that is using nutrition and using food as medicine and food to heal the body. I love that. And I love that you say that you, you've kind of been on, on both ends. And I mean, me personally, I, I was put on the birth control pill in high school for acne. And, uh, looking back now, I wish that that would have maybe been a last resort and not the, the first thing that they turned, that they turned to, but you know, it's all about 
learning, educating yourself and advocating for yourself as well. So um, Mm -hmm. let's start with some of the simple questions first. So can you explain what PCOS is? Yeah. So PCOS is a, so it stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome, and it's basically a constellation of symptoms that, that fit into what we, what we would call a syndrome. So a lot of people think that PCOS is a disease quote unquote, but it's, it's not really, it's just a constellation of symptoms that kind of fit this, this syndrome pattern. Um, so a lot of times for women, um, I I often find in like 80% of cases, sometimes more that insulin resistance is the driving factor behind the PCOS. So a lot of women with PCOS will, um, their cycles are really irregular. They're not ovulating every month. So therefore they're not having a period every month. Um, I've had women, you know, have cycles every two months to maybe once or twice a year. Um, a lot of women will have issues with like deep cystic hormonal acne, fatigue, hair loss, facial hair growth is another big one, weight gain. So they all kind of coincide together. I often find uh, too. So, so I run functional lab testing with my one-on-one clients. We often see uh, like a high androgen picture too. So like a high testosterone, high DHEA, something like that. And then I, I think a, a, one of the biggest misconceptions around PCOS is that, you know, modern medicine will tell you like, well, you don't have cysts on your ovaries on an ultrasound. Therefore you don't have PCOS. And it's simply not true. We have to meet two of three criteria to be diagnosed with PCOS. And that's only one of the criteria. So you can have irregular anovulatory cycles and, you know, symptoms of, of androgen excess or a high testosterone on your labs and not have any cysts on your ovaries and still have PCOS. And so I think that that's kind of where, you know, modern medicine is, is missing a lot of these women that actually do have PCOS because they're telling them that, that their ultrasounds look fine. Um, but a lot of times the, the driving factor behind PCOS is insulin resistance. You know, the body becomes really resistant to that. We struggle with blood sugar imbalances and that has a direct impact on how our ovaries function. So we spit out more testosterone, it downregulates our thyroid hormones. So we get issues with, with hypothyroidism. So it's kind of this perfect storm of, of symptoms, but a lot of it is driven by that insulin resistance. Not all cases are, but a lot of the times they are. So is PCOS underdiagnosed, would you say? I think it is. So it, it actually takes a woman on average two years and three doctors to get a diagnosis of PCOS. It's crazy. That's crazy. Wow. That, this is why it's so important to advocate for yourself because exactly. I'm sure a lot of women, you know, the, the first doctor says, no, you don't have PCOS. You're fine. Um, and then you just don't know what to do from there. So maybe yeah. what are some signs and symptoms that women can look for where they're like, okay, um, maybe something is off. Maybe I need to get a second opinion. Um, maybe yeah. whether it's PCOS or maybe just a different type of hormonal imbalance. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so PCOS is, is one type of what we would, I guess, consider a hormonal imbalance. PCOS is very much a metabolic disorder. It's an endocrine disorder. It's also a hormonal disorder. Um, you know, and I think, I think part of the reason for like the, the underdiagnosis or maybe misdiagnosis is that so many of my clients with PCOS have gone into their doctor and they're like, Hey, my cycles are irregular and I'm losing hair. And their doctor's just like, here, take birth control. Like they don't even run the labs. And so there's this huge gap, you know, where we're missing so many of these women, but when it comes to hormonal imbalances in general, 
a lot of, you know, a lot of people think period problems, you know, first and foremost. So we can have super heavy periods. You know, you're changing a tampon every hour. You can have a long cycles lasting longer than seven days, short cycles. Um, you can skip cycles and have irregular cycles. Um, maybe your cycles are less than 21 days apart. That's a sign of a hormonal imbalance. We've got really painful periods. So lots of cramps, back pain, clots with your cycles, hair loss, fatigue, um, hormonal acne, hormonal migraines, PMS symptoms, mood swings, you name it, it all fits the bill. Yeah, I think um, a common misconception is that like periods are just supposed to be super painful. But then, you know, the more research I've done, it's, you know, if your periods are really that painful, and let's say like you're throwing up, or you can't even or you can't even go to work, that it's, that's not normal. Correct? Am I right there? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's like one of the biggest things that I'm, I'm an ad- advocate for is knowing the difference between common and normal, you know, because so often, like, you know, everyone will tell us that period problems are normal when in fact, we just confused what's common with what's actually normal. So yes, painful periods, long cycles, things like that are common, but just because they're common doesn't necessarily mean they are supposed to be normal, you know? So we have to remember that when we look at the body and when we look at like, how is my body actually supposed to be functioning? We should be at homeostasis. We should be at just like a, a nice, healthy baseline where your cycles are regular and they're, they're pretty easy and you can predict them and your energy is good and your mood is stable and you're pooping regularly and your digestion is good. And, you know, so often we end up having symptoms and we tell ourselves that this is, well, this is just, it's normal. A lot of people struggle with this and yes, a lot of people struggle with it. Doesn't mean it's normal. Symptoms are only your body's, uh, your body is like red flag. You know, it's like your check engine light in your car When your check engine light comes on. We're like, okay, my car needs attention. Like stat, I need to take this to AutoZone and figure out what's going on. But with our body, we just like ignore it. We keep driving the car, you know? So symptoms are only a, a, a warning sign. Your body is just trying to get your attention. That's all it is. Yeah. And that's why it's so important to really be in tune with your body and, mm-hmm. and know, but I can see how that can be hard if, you know, it's like for me, I didn't know my body in high school, <laughs> you yeah. know, so it's something we have to, we have to learn to do. And so when it comes to PCOS, is the pill, I guess, an option or is it more of a last resort? And like, how can we properly advocate for ourselves at the doctor? If they're, if they're like, oh yeah, PCOS, you need to go on the pill. What, what, what should we do? What approach should we, we take instead of just, you know, taking the doctor's word? Because a lot of the times the pill is their first and only option that they give us. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's difficult because obviously like our doctors are they are so well-educated. They are experts in their fields. We desperately need them. You know, we, we, we need medical care in our lives, but at the same time, our doctors are not nutritionists and many of them don't know that there's a different way of doing things. And, and again, like when we look at something like PCOS and we look at those symptoms as telling us that something is off deeper inside the body, why would we mask it with birth control? So when we look at, when we look at birth control, the way that it actually works, it is a band-aid solution for a much deeper problem. So we're essentially putting duct tape over the problem and then, or a band-aid or whatever. And then when you rip that band-aid off, your symptoms are still going to be there because we haven't addressed the root cause. So in like in my clients with PCOS, for example, 
we have to look at those root causes. We have to look at what's happening with insulin, you know, what's, what's happening with thyroid hormone, what's happening with your stress levels and where can we use nutrition and nutrient density? Where can we use lifestyle management supplements to bridge the gap to really start to kind of rebuild things from a deep root cause approach, right? Because a bandaid or a bandaid birth control is not a root cause approach. It is, it is simply just covering it up. So, um, and unfortunately, like when we go to our doctor, that's, you know, that's the only answer that we get is like, well, you can go on birth control or you can take metformin or you can just do nothing. And again, there's this huge gap. You know, most women don't know that you, you can do something different. We can look at this from a nutrition lifestyle supplement, um, body organ systems approach and do it all differently. And I think, I think part of it is, you know, we, we have gotten used to, unfortunately, as a, as a society, as like a, what pill do I take kind of culture, you know? So when we have problems and, and we go in, it's like, well, what pill can I take for this? You know, what supplement can I take for this? But we have to go deeper and we have to kind of, you know, peel back the layers of the onion one by one and, and really do that deep healing work. So um, yes, you can, you know, birth control is not the only option. You can use food, you can use um, supplement strategies, you can use a root cause approach to healing. Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm listening to you and there's a thunderstorm outside. And my window is open. So oh no. all the water is leaking down. But um, anyways, yeah, this, you know, these, these things are live. I don't edit this stuff out. It, it's just life. It happens. But it happens. Um, I, I just love everything you say because um, like you said, birth control is just a Band-Aid. And so many of us are, you know, that's like our only, our only option. So you talk about, you know, really focusing on, you know, your nutrition and something I recommend to everyone who's listening is like, if this, if you are struggling with PCOS or hormone imbalance, you know, find someone like Casey who can walk you through, you don't have to, you don't have to do this alone. Um, You don't have to figure out the nutrition part alone, but, you know, I do follow some, you know, nutrition, uh, where, when it comes to hormonal, hormonal and PCOS imbalance, those types of pages on Instagram. And I know one of the common things that I hear is cutting out gluten and dairy. So is that really, is that a good, a good way to start? What is, what is your opinion on that? Is that, does that help with PCOS? I, you know, honestly, I've found it to be kind of like, um, a little bit blown out of proportion that way. So uh, the, the school of thought behind cutting out gluten and dairy is that, so, so if we look at PCOS, um, a, a lot of pages that you'll come across articles that you'll come across, will say that there are four different types of PCOS and you have to identify your type. And honestly, it's BS, um, because all of the types get rolled into one, you know, we can't address insulin, the insulin resistant type of PCOS without also addressing the thyroid part of PCOS. So it's not just one type, it's all types together. So the school of thought behind cutting out gluten and dairy is that so inflammation or inflammatory is one quote unquote type of PCOS. And the thought is that, well, if gluten and dairy are inflammatory foods, if we take out the inflammatory foods, we lower inflammation, therefore your PCOS gets better. And I've simply just, you know, not really found this to be the case. So when we, gluten is one of those things that like probably all of us could, could really kind of do without, to be honest with you. Um, Or we do something that's like a really high quality sourdough, something that's not been fortified with iron, for example, 
but dairy is, is very misunderstood because if we're looking at something like raw dairy, where it hasn't been pasteurized, it hasn't been homogenized. It's basically like straight from the cow. We're getting fat soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. We're getting potassium. We're getting calcium. So all of those things we need to regulate and balance blood sugar. If insulin resistance is such an issue with PCOS and we want to be balancing the blood sugar, dairy is going to actually help with that. So I, I often find that like, I mean, yeah, when it comes to dairy, the type and the quality matters, you know, it's, there's a huge difference between like your non-pasteurized raw dairy and something like a sugar loaded Chobani yogurt with like the little granola pieces on top. So like big difference between the two. And that's where, you know, knowing the physiology of the body and knowing how food works with your body then you know uh, which foods are going to help kind of build you up. So I, I don't think that you need to be gluten-free or dairy-free to, uh, to balance your hormones with PCOS and actually encourage my PCOS clients to consume dairy um, and gluten maybe in moderation. Yeah, I, I think um, one of the big things with diet culture is like people just love to demonize like entire food groups. So I think, you know, listening to you talk about gluten and dairy, like we don't need to demonize all of this. Um, as a whole, but there's obviously going to be healthier options. Like you said, should you, should you rely on um, nachos every day for dinner to get your dairy? Probably not. It's probably, right. not, you know, the best, the best option and, you know, donuts. Yeah. They're full of gluten. Doesn't mean they're bad, but you're probably better off with something like you said, sourdough. Um, so, so I like that you point that out. Cause you know, a lot of people just, think that there's this all or nothing mindset around yeah. basically everything that they do. Um, yeah. So I, what would the first step, what first step would you give for someone who's struggling with PCOS, maybe decided like, you know, birth control is not the way I want to, I want to go. I want to have a more holistic approach to this. Um, and maybe they're not ready to fully dive in with, you know, hiring someone like you. What are some first steps that they can take to help them with their PCOS or hormonal imbalances? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, before I go into that though, I kind of want to circle back to what you said about food demonization and the diet industry and kind of just the culture that we live in now. And this is one thing that I, again, am an advocate for is like food stress is still stress. The more that we stress ourselves over what we're eating and what we're putting in our bodies, uh, the more stress we create in the body. And that stress has a place, right? Cortisol levels go up. We're going to see a down regulation of our hormones. So food stress is still stress. Um, yes, we can make better, better choices. You know, can we have cassava based tortilla chips instead of your, you know, polyunsaturated fat soybean oil containing tortilla chips? Sure. Fair trade, right? We want to do those types of things. We, we, we want to know how food actually nourishes our body, but we don't need to go out of our way to be like really, really, really nitpicky about it and just stress ourselves out in the process. Um, so that being said, I would say, so like when it comes to PCOS, I would say first and foremost, like we've got to get the blood sugar balance. We have got to get blood sugar balance because 80% of the time insulin resistance is the driving factor. And I often find that a lot of women with PCOS are number one, not eating enough protein. So can we increase protein intake throughout the day? And number two, can we get blood sugar balanced? Can we eat regular meals throughout the day? A lot of women with uh, not just PCOS, but like women in general, hormonal imbalances in general, any health challenge will tend to skip meals. And I think we get really used to that because we're, we're busy, right? We're busy people. So we wake up in the morning, we slug a cup of coffee. 
we had to work with, you know, no fuel in the system. And we wonder why we're hangry and crashing at like 2 PM. So can we just get some regular meals in? can we get breakfast, lunch, dinner, and maybe throw a snack in there or two, you know? So those would be the, the first steps that I would take is regular meals, um, making sure that you're eating adequate protein. The other thing that I would say too, is like pairing proteins and carbs together is really important. So if we look at the way that, that blood sugar actually works and responds in the body, and the way that insulin works is so if we eat something that is straight carb, right? So let's say that you have a piece of, I don't know, like piece of wheat bread, um, your, your glucose levels in your bloodstream are going to rise. There's no protein to offset that carb. So we get a rise in glucose, which means we get a rise in insulin and we end up crashing a half hour later. So if we can put some protein with your carbs, right? No naked carbs is what we call it. Um, so if we can put some protein and carbs together, we're going to flatten that blood sugar curve. We're going to keep blood sugar stable. So this would be like, I guess those are kind of three uh, places that I would start. Those are, those are great tips. And those are, you know, things that I like that they're very, uh, small and sustainable and something that people can do, you know, like you said, get protein, pair, pair the protein and carbs, try to eat every couple hours. Cause like you said, we get so busy and we live in a society where it's like kind of applauded if we're like, Oh, I haven't eaten all day. All I've had was nice coffee or, or something like that. And that's not good for our body or, or hormones or, or mental, it's just not good in general. Um, so another question that I have for you, maybe someone isn't struggling with PCOS, but I know a lot of the times, like, especially with my mom, who's a personal trainer, works out every single day, eats super healthy, um, was struggling and it turned out there was a hormonal imbalance. So maybe for people who don't have PCOS, what, um, I guess, how can you make sure that your hormones are in balance? Like, would you recommend uh, maybe regular blood testing or maybe there's um, some signs that, you know, if you're someone who does work out regularly or eat um, moderately healthy and maybe you're exhausted all the time, like maybe what are some other things we can look for so we know that, okay, this is something I need to work on. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really great point because often, you know, unless we're having period problems, we don't necessarily think that we're struggling with a hormonal imbalance when in actuality we could be. So, um, when it, I guess when it comes to like, you know, like the question of like, are my hormones balanced? We want to look at how we feel because often we place so much emphasis on like how we look, you know, and what, what the number on the scale says, what size jeans you're wearing, all of that stuff. When in actuality, like I care about how your body is functioning, you know? So I want to know, like, are your periods regular? Are they on time? Are you ovulating every single month? Um, are your periods like relatively easy? You know, are they, are, are there, you know, if, if you have like a ton of clots in your cycles, like that's not normal either. Right. So relatively easy periods. We're not changing a tampon every hour. Our energy is good. Our moods are stable. We don't have the afternoon energy crash. Um, our hair is like, you know, growing and our nails are strong and our skin is clear and we just feel content and happy and energized and nourished and grounded. Like those are all things that we want to look for. Um, if you want like a more, you know, kind of something that I, I guess is a little bit more like tangible would be, um, are we tracking our cycles? You know, are we tracking basal body temperatures? So that's one thing that I encourage all of my clients to do, uh, because our, 
our waking morning basal body temperatures will tell us how our thyroid is performing. And when we know how our thyroid is performing, we know how that's going to regulate the rest of the body. So, you know, checking your temperature every morning, plotting it in an app, like I use Kendara personally, um, but like Kendara, read my body or something like that. And, you know, are your numbers in the high 97s, 98s? That's really where we want to see them. That tells us that your thyroid is functioning well. Uh, the other thing would be to track your cycles, you know, so you can see if you're tracking temperatures, if you get a spike when you should be ovulating, if you get a spike in your temperature, you know that you've ovulated, you're making progesterone. That's a good thing. So, so tracking your cycles is another great way to know what's going on with your hormones. If you want something more tangible, but a lot of times it's just based on like, we know when we feel off, you know what I mean? Like we know when something is wrong with our bodies, we know when our, our periods are super heavy and super painful, or we're skipping months or, you know, we're taking a nap every afternoon. Like we know those things about ourselves, but the, the harder part is to say, yes, I know that this is a problem. Now, what can I do about it? And that's the harder part. Um, blood labs are something that, uh, they're not super, super great for hormones. It, depending on what you're looking at, blood is just a highway for hormones. We can also store up hormones in our tissues. So estrogen, for example, can get stored up in our tissues in excess. Um, and depending on the time of your cycle, your progesterone levels may or may not be accurate. So something that can be really useful if you're really struggling with, with hormones is doing something like a Dutch test, which I will sometimes do with my clients, um, but also looking at your minerals too. And I think that that's a piece that is missing from a lot of the, a lot of the coaching industry is, is your mineral status because minerals are the spark plugs to our hormones. If our minerals are off, our hormones are going to be off regardless. Um, I hope that answers your question. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, I, I know that this topic like we could probably, you could probably talk about this for hours and hours and hours. I don't want to, yes. you know, overwhelm um, the listeners or even overwhelm myself because there's, there's so much. Um, but I, I do like what you said about like the minerals, because once again, it goes back to diet culture where they say all that matters is calories and macros yeah. and, you know, the whole diet thing, like, oh, if it fits your macros, but it's so much more than that. And, yeah. you know, we live in a society where we want to just always take things out like take things yes. out of our diet when I think the best way to do it is add things into our diet, you know, more nutrient dense foods. And that's great for, like you said, great for our, our, our hormones. And, you know, it doesn't even matter if you're struggling with PCOS or hormone imbalance. We, especially as women want to make sure that we are keeping our hormones balanced and feeding our body and fueling our body and, and doing all, doing all of that. So Yes, yeah, I, I 100% agree. Um, you know, and that was so that was a little bit of a part of my story too. And maybe you can relate to this is, you know, very much coming from the diet culture, macro counting, like calorie counting, as long as it fits your macros, it doesn't matter what or when you eat. And I, I found that to be not only like damaging mentally, you know, I was very like obsessive about the way that I way that I approached it, like I wouldn't you know, wouldn't eat out at restaurants, wouldn't go to family reunions. I mean, that kind of thing, but also that, like, we're not looking at the quality of our food. You know, if you're taught that the only thing that matters is calories in versus calories out, and you're loading up on sugar-free jello and sugar-free syrups and fat-free cheese, like, what are we actually putting into our bodies? Is it supporting us? And so I think that just like the approach that you take too, is like, well, what can we add in? you know, instead of looking at like, you know, I have to cut out X, Y, and Z things like, you know, what can we bring to the table 
you know, can we actually bring in some like real whole nutrient dense foods and look at it from a person? Like sometimes all it is, is just a perspective shift of like, what can I add in versus what do I have to take out? And it makes all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And I I think, you know, it's going to take time to get out of the, you know, diet culture mentality, because, you know, when it comes to counting your macros, or your calories, we think, oh, because I'm losing weight, it must mean that I'm healthier or, you know, I'm, I'm doing it right. But, you know, like you said earlier, just, it's not just about how we look or our pant sizes. Like we need to um, really be in tune with how our body's feeling and kind of like, I don't, I don't like typically using the word normal, but like, what's normal for us. If we're someone who, you know, never needed a nap in the middle of the day. And now all of a sudden out of nowhere, you know, you're, you're, you're struggling. That could be a sign of, you know, some type of hormonal imbalance. So I, I know we, we talked about the nutritional aspect of it. Yeah. So how about the, you know, moving your body and the fitness aspect, how does fitness tie in with our hormones or if we're struggling with PCOS, um, you know, once again, this all or nothing mentality that people like to dive in. If you're working out too much, that's still stress on the body. So, you know, I guess, how do you approach it? Whether you're someone who doesn't work out at all or someone who's already working out and still struggling um, with their hormones. Yeah. I think, I think the thing that we have to think about is like, um, like we have to look at our relationship with exercise, you know, is exercise something that is supporting us? Is it something that is, you know, that we're doing for punishments? Like what is our relationship there? Because that's key. Um, and yeah, it's very all or nothing mentality. And I think a lot of times, like, you know, like, you know, especially, especially now it's either we're all trying to be fitness models or we've, we've all been told that we just need to lose weight. And that's not the answer either. And so it's kind of left us again with a bit of a gap, but knowing how to exercise, when to bring an extra exercise, especially if you're like at different times in your menstrual cycle, that can be really helpful is like structuring your exercise based on where your hormone levels are at. Um, so that can also be fun, but for a lot of, for a lot women in general, I always recommend strength training, weightlifting, um, building muscle mass, you know, that is muscle is metabolically active. Uh, and it's, you know, obviously going to change body composition. Um, so I always, and, and, you know, increase bone density and all of that. So I always recommend strength training. Um, you know, and then I, we, when we look at something like exercise, I think a lot of women think like I have to do endless amounts of cardio, um, or like fasted cardio, or I have to run all of the time. But again, we want to look at how is that compounding stress hormones on the body? If we are, if we are over-exercising, we're over-training. If we are, you know, you know, running like indefinitely, um, or we're just doing cardio, we're increasing cortisol levels in the body. So when we have an increase of stress hormones, we're going to get a downregulation of our sex hormones too. And so a lot of women wonder like, why am I doing cardio and I can't lose weight? I can't lose belly fat. And it's because the type of exercise that we're doing is not conducive to what's going on with cortisol levels. So strength training, resistance training is probably going to be like the number one thing to add in. Um, walking is foundational and all of us should be walking. Um, and depending on where, like, you know, where your body is at, uh, you know, hit training, you know, a couple once a week, you know, as much as, you, you know, kind of as much as your body will allow you can sometimes build women up. But again, we have, we want to be in a place where the body is, is, uh, it can be supportive of that. I'm glad you said do weight training. Cause I've been telling these women for years, 
get off the treadmill, get off, you know, stop obsessing over cardio. Like, don't get me wrong. I love cardio to, you know, it makes me feel good, but it's not something I do every day. And like you said, walking's great. A lot of the times, you know, I'll just try to get a good amount of steps in and even the whole 10,000 steps. You know what? I work from home. Sometimes 10,000 steps isn't um, always doable. Sometimes my my goals are literally 7,000 steps a day. And, you know, that works for me and, and everyone's so different. So I'm glad that you say do strength training, do weight training, stop obsessing over cardio, because even hearing it from, um, you know, someone who works with women with PCOS and hormone imbalances, strength training is always the answer. Let me tell you. <laughs> it's always the answer. I know I've been, um, I've been lifting for gosh, close to 10 years now, I think. Uh, but it's, it's one thing when my clients ask me about exercise and like, if you can find some way to incorporate resistance training, um, do it, you know, even if you start at home, even if it's body weight exercises, you know, it's, it, it is going to build up your confidence and it takes time, you know, it takes time and it takes practice and it takes trusting the process and some patience, but all good things in life do. So it it is definitely worth the reward. Yeah. And and we can say that about, you know, everything we, we look for such an easy and quick fix, but we need to be patient, you know, whether it's with our nutrition, our fitness, um, our hormones, we need to, be patient and consistent with the little changes that we are making and not expect, you know, some magical answer that will, that will cure us overnight. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's always small steps. Yeah. I was just going to ask like, what words of wisdom do you have for maybe anyone who's struggling with their hormones or, or PCOS? And maybe they've been trying, you know, a lot of things. And, you know, now they've listened to this podcast and like, okay, I have some tangible tips, but other things haven't worked for me. So what words of encouragement do you have for them? I would say like, so first of all, don't give up. You know, I think that this is one realm where we, you know, we've maybe tried a handful of different things and none of them have worked. And like, we want to just like throw in the towel and throw our hands up and be like, this doesn't work. I'm done. But we have to remember that like, again, anytime your body is having symptoms, it's trying to tell you something. So do we need to dig deeper? you know, do we need to look at it from a, a holistic approach? So I would say, number one, don't give up. There's, there's always hope, right? Like our body always wants to heal. And I think that's the thing that people don't realize our body is always fighting for homeostasis. It's always fighting for healing. And we just have to be able to give it the tools and the resources that it needs. The other thing that I would say is like, be gentle on yourself in the process, because again, things don't happen overnight. We didn't get here overnight, right? Like I'm 31. I've had stress compounding in my life for 31 years, you know, with, with, you know, toxic household cleaners and the pop tarts that I grew up on when I was a kid and the, you know, ramen noodles I ate in college and, you know, the stress of grad school, like all of this stuff. So we've been compounding stress for decades. We can't expect it to change overnight. So we have to, we have to be able to be patient and gentle with ourselves in the process and find some way to give ourselves grace and love and compassion and acceptance through the entire thing. And often, again, it's, it's, it's often the mental shifts that need to happen sometimes more than the physical shifts, to be honest with you. Um, so the other thing that I would say, so keep, so keep going, don't give up, um, trust that your body always wants to heal. Um, trust the process I would say would be another one. Um, but just, but just know that like everything you do is always working for your good. Everything there's always hope. So awesome. I love it. And, and I just love the piece of advice of, you know, giving yourself grace and being patient because like you said, 
it didn't, we didn't get here overnight, so we can't expect things to change overnight. So how can um, our listeners reach out to you, connect to you, connect with you and like find you on social media? Yeah. So I'm mo- probably most active on Instagram. So my handle is at Casey.goins. Um, so come DM me on Instagram. I'm more than happy to have a conversation. I love talking with people in the DMs. So come say hi on Instagram. I also have a TikTok account, um, which is something relatively new I've been exper- experimenting with in the last couple of months, but same username at Casey.goins if you want to follow me on TikTok. Um, we do have some upcoming things. So we have um, the Hormone Reset Method. It's a, a, our group program, our signature group program that's coming up uh, next week, actually. Um, so that's probably the number one way that we work with women, but we would love to hear from you. I would love it if you just said hello. Um, I'm happy to just be with you on your healing journey. Awesome. I will put all those links in the show notes so people can connect with you, but thank you so much for coming on and and talking with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was a blast. Okay. Do you guys see why food freedom is so important? It literally even affects your hormones. If you are restricting, under eating, over exercising, it is negatively impacting your hormones. And this can be also why you're struggling with these hormonal imbalances. So it all goes back to your relationship with food. Um, Are you treating food as medicine instead of just obsessing over the calories that are in food? Food is meant to be enjoyed. Food is meant to um, give your body the nutritional needs that it literally craves to survive. Your body doesn't only care about calories or macros. This is why it is so important to find peace with food because your body's going to thank you. So if you are ready to find food freedom, to stop feeling guilty around eating or stop obsessing over food because you see it as this off-limits thing, as something that's good or bad, or I have to eat a certain amount of calories, or I have to cut out certain food groups in order to reach my goals. You guys, that's not what it's about. So if you're ready to find this food freedom, please reach out to me for one-on-one coaching. I'd love to work with you and help give your body the food and the nutrients that it needs and wants, and also build your self-confidence and to be able to stop obsessing about food. I think I think that's an amazing goal to have because guess what? Your body is the least interesting thing about you. I've said it before and I will keep saying it because you have so much more to offer the world. So if you're ready for one-on-one coaching, please reach out to me. You can email me. My email is thisismirandalee at gmail.com or you can slide into my DMs on Instagram at thisismirandalee. All right. Thank you guys for joining me and I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you.